listening to In It Together, the podcast. I'm Arun Roth. Today is July 30th, 2020. Ahead on the show, for women getting out of prison, reentry into their community can be challenging. It's an understatement to say that the coronavirus complicates that process even more. I'll hear from two formerly incarcerated women, Leslie Creedle and Stacey Borden, about their experiences. Plus, we'll hear what incarcerated men and women experienced during the pandemic from attorney Bonnie Tenor Yellow from Prisoners Legal Services. But first, let's run through the coronavirus headlines we've been following. The DPH says there was a delay in reporting some coronavirus numbers to them, so today's case numbers include some retroactive cases previously not reported alongside new positive cases. With that in mind, 304 confirmed cases and 110 probable cases were reported today, bringing that total to number of confirmed and probable cases to just over 117,000. Fifteen new deaths were also reported, bringing the total number of deaths statewide to just under 8,600. The coronavirus has added an element of chaos to every system in our community. For those systems that were complicated or under-resourced to begin with, the chaos is multiplied. Tonight, our case study is prisoner re-entry. It wasn't hard for the virus to shake up the status quo, critics say, because it seems the system was already faulty to begin with. Stacy Borden, a formerly incarcerated woman herself, saw what she describes as a gap in the right type of care for formerly incarcerated women. She founded New Beginnings Reentry Services, which takes a different approach to helping women reenter the community after serving time. She's also a member of the Boston-based organization Families for Justice as Healing, which advocates for prison reform. Leslie Creedle is also a member of Families for Justice as Healing and also is formerly incarcerated. I spoke with both Stacy and Leslie earlier this week. And before we get into that interview, I want you to think about all the things you need to complete essential tasks. A driver's license, your car, a computer, your phone could go on. Those leaving prison typically have none of these resources. So when we talk about reentry, it really is essentially starting over for many of these women and men. Here's my conversation with Leslie and Stacy. So we, we brought both of you on to talk about prisoner reentry, as in when an inmate is released from prison and what the reentry into a community looks like, which is a big topic, uh, you know, especially during a pandemic. First, though, let, let's talk about Families for Justice as, as Healing, which takes on this issue for, for women. Stacy, first, can, can you talk about what the organization is and does and how you got involved? Well, if if I may, um, if I could just kind of give us a little language correction, we don't kind of use the term inmate. We are people, formerly incarcerated and incarcerated people. Okay. Uh, secondly, I became involved with Families for Justice as Healing after I met uh, my mentor, Andrea James. She's like beautiful, the founder of the National Council for Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls as well. And so once I became a member of that organization, I found that she was the member founder also of Families for Justice is Healing and all the fabulous work that they were doing. I really needed to get involved. There's something that I desired as a little girl coming from my own suffrage and, and trauma and incarceration. You know, when you think about envisioning a new community and having the voice, this organization, Families for Justice is Healing, is such a fabulous organization that really focuses on legislative change. Uh, we're not reformists. We don't discuss reform in any type of the criminal justice system. It's unfair, it's unjust, and 
the fight that they really focus on is just fabulous. And I'm just honored to be a part of it. And uh, Leslie, what about you? Same same question. I was recently released from prison about 18 months ago, and I got involved with Families for Justice and Healing. They asked me to do some speaking on the primary caretaker bill, uh, which was recently passed in 2017. It allows someone who is a single parent or relative to get alternative sentencing instead of incarceration. Um, so that they are allowed to stay home and care for their children. And I just told my story as a parent, um, what it was like to be incarcerated. And so I just talked about my challenges, parenting from behind the wall. Stacy, can you talk about what a typical reentry for for someone who was incarcerated looked like before the the, the pandemic, the kind of things that, that, that you were focused on and, and quote-unquote normal times? Well, coming from a formerly incarcerated woman perspective, um, my journey of going in and out of Framingham State Prison and some of the county, Bristol County and South Bay Jail over the years, there was just no resources for women coming out of prison. And so the reentry perspective, did, you know, there just wasn't any. I mean, it wasn't heard of. So coming out of prison, I was fortunate to have my parents alive and receiving me to come home, but most women don't. And so, you know, if there's no resources for us to navigate through coming back through community and family, then what is a woman to do? And so as to why we have recidivism rates so high. And so that has been my journey coming home. I made a decision when I was in prison after I met my fabulous cellmate, Kimia Faust, who changed my life around totally and, and really gave me the idea that I could do something different. And I was determined. I made a promise to the women when I left that I was going to come home and do something different and create a reentry program. And so we can really focus on our trauma and addiction and know that we could change things around and lessen recidivism. We don't deserve to continuously go. We shouldn't be in prison in the first place. Let me just say that. So t- t- tell us about some of the things that, uh, you know, organizations that didn't exist when uh, when you uh, you came out of incarceration. What are the kind of things that uh, these organizations now can, can provide for, for women when they're coming out? Well, we didn't have um, any reentry programs. There were pre-release you know, women suffer greatly before going into prison. You know, there's we, we suffer from, you know, domestic violence, sexual abuse, incest, you know, even property value. The element of reentry is really, it entails a lot. It's just not reintegration into the community. We need some support services, some healing centers, some transformation, and really hold ourselves, learn how to hold ourselves accountable for the harm we've caused the harm and heal from the harm that was caused to us. And that's pretty much what New Beginnings is about. We believe in the form of art, art as a way of healing. And so we are designing a curriculum that is part substance abuse services and mainly expressive art therapy, psychodrama therapy, GED prep, college prep, career development, and whatever else we believe that a woman needs to overcome the challenges of reintegrating back into the community. Those are the services that aren't provided, that haven't been provided in our community, and this is the first of many. 
Leslie, can you talk about your experience with reentry and some of the challenges you and other women face when released? When, you know, I came home, I was in like a McGrath house or Coolidge house type situation. And what I found there is it's more of a punitive approach to reentry than a resource or help approach. A lot of the women in there don't have anywhere to go when they finish their sentence. A lot of people cannot go home because their family or their husband or their loved one is getting Section 8 housing assistance. So it's a systematic oppression problem due to those restrictions. It's forcing people coming out of prison to be homeless when they do have a house to go to and jobs. It's very hard for people to find jobs because of the quarry. It has been a barrier and and it continues to be something that stops people from moving forward in their lives. And like Stacy said, New Beginnings is going to be a different type of reentry program where partnerships are set up with employers. She set up partnerships with colleges. So if people want to go back to school, they can get a free education. You don't get that in a Coolidge house or, or a McGrath house. They're more of like a step down from a correction officer, right? Um, that's the type of mentality that's going on in those houses that you still feel like if you step out of line, you're going right back to prison. So you can't heal and you can't relax. Like mentally, you're just stressed out. So that's that's the type of experience I had coming home. And that was just a year ago. There are alternatives to incarceration, right? Hmm. Uh, we do have the tools in place that women in the courts can use because most of the crimes women commit are due to poverty, substance abuse, domestic violence. And, you know, we can find other ways to deal with these problems. 80% of the women are, are mothers in prison, you know. If we can give them alternatives, you know, let them do ho- home confinement or probation or parole, and then give them the tools, or even send them to new beginnings, which the women will deal with their trauma, deal with their addiction. At the same time, they'll be getting assistance with housing, assistance with education, and employment. Right now, the headcount for women is so low, we could take advantage of this opportunity right here, okay, to decarcerate. We can give clemency to those, and then the other ones, if we look, look at their case, we can start that process right now. But it is a business, right? It's money. That's what prisons are. It's not about rehabilitation. It's about the dollar. What were you hearing from women behind the wall during the pandemic? Well, basically, during the pandemic, the women are are really stuck. This is what has happened during COVID. And I, I speak to a lot of women inside during this whole pandemic. What has happened was March and April, when the pandemic hit, they were locked down, right? Now, lockdown, meaning in a cell, 23 hours a day. 
they gave them one hour out to take a shower, call your family. If anybody came up positive, they were shuffled around. They were taken out of that cell. They left all their belongings, right? Now, when you're in prison, your commissary is very important because the food that they serve in prison is, I can, I can read something to you what it is, okay? This is what they were giving them during lockdown. Mechanically separated meat means it is a paste-like meat product. I Googled it, right? Forcing ground beef, pork, turkey, or chicken under high pressure, separate the bone from the edible meat tissue. It is called white slime and pink slime, and it is extracted meat recovery systems. Okay, this is what one of the women sent me a label of what her chicken patty was. This is what they've been eating for the last five months. So just want everybody to know, you know, what the Department of Corrections spend their money on. And it's not the, the people who are housed in their facilities. They kept them locked down after May only because it was easier for them to do their jobs. They left those women locked in a cell till July, which are mentally um, straining on a human being to be locked in a cell 23 hours a day for six months straight. It's inhumane and cruel punishment. And then they release them to these halfway house when their the sentence is up because nobody got out on COVID relief. They did not release people because of COVID. The SJC made it really hard for anybody to get out. They said an attorney had to put in a motion to get people out. Now, these are sentenced people. They don't have any more attorneys. Like, they're already sentenced. So what attorney is going to work for them? They have to contact their old attorney, who is a public defender, and ask them to do some help getting them out during COVID. And if they're nice, they say yes. So nobody really got out for COVID. That did not happen. Only reason why the numbers are so low now is because there's nobody getting violated for probation or, or, or parole um, because the courts are closed and probation is not violating people right now. People were wrapping up their sentences. So people were getting out and nobody was going in. And anybody who was held on probation or parole violations at that time were released. Those were the only people who got released were people. And also the mass bail fund did a massive bail out campaign during COVID to get as many people who are waiting pretrial out as possible. So these are why the numbers are so low, not because they got released on COVID. And I just have to say that. But after enduring all that, then they have to go into this McGrath house or Coolidge house, right? Where they're locked down again and, and not able to look for a job, not able to go to get a physical because that's something that you don't get in prison. You don't get any dental or medical care unless in it's emergency. So routine physicals never happen. I don't care if you're in jail for 20 years, you're not getting it. 
so th this is what their reentry has been like. And there are no jobs, right? There, there aren't no jobs for regular people right now. People who have a record are going to be the last to be hired and the first to be fired. You know, this is what reentry is right now. Then, you know, they put all these expectations on you. Oh, you haven't found a job. Oh, you haven't. Well, I can't. So uh, it's, it's hard for these women. And, and I really feel for them. And I wouldn't trade places with them right now for, for anything. I'm just glad I got out 18 months ago and not now. That's Leslie Creedle. She's a member of Families for Justice's Healing. Also speaking with Stacey Borden, she's also a member of Families for Justice's Healing and the founder of New Beginnings Reentry Services. Stacey, all the things that you and, and Leslie have been laying out about what incarcerated people face coming out, concerns over housing, economic concerns, all seem like things would also put these people at higher risk for COVID-19. I'm, I'm wondering, Stacey, what, what, what are you hearing and seeing right now as far as that goes? Well, they, they have not released nearly enough women coming out of prison. I mean, you know, when you look at it, the DOC has the power to release them. We have elderly, we have handicapped women, we have women that have been in there for decades. Anytime you serve 29, 30 years, I think that's enough time that they should be looking at medical parole releases. They have pre-existing condition medical issues. Why would Massachusetts take that, you know, opportunity to keep them in there and just let them rock? Why are we leaving women in prison when their mothers, their grandmothers, their daughters, their sisters? We can take care of our people in our community and give them the nurturing, the, the necessary needs to help them with their trauma and move away from the idea of punishment. This is a punitive system. You know, the judge can sentence us all day long, but the prison mentality is all about the dollar. $90,000 to keep a woman in prison. We can service her for 10000 of that dollars and give her the real hope and the real life that she deserves and can move on past that sentence. We can't keep incarcerating our way out of this situation. Drug and mental health needs to be weird, needs to be placed, and we deserve healing. And so it's time. They're not releasing enough women. And it's time to release them. And we're not going to stop until all our women are free. We're not free until they're free. Well, Stacey, I, I, all of this, I feel like we're, we're barely scratching the surface. So we're, we're just going to have to get you back to pick up this conversation. But it's been really good to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd love to come back. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. That's Stacey Borden. She's the founder of New Beginnings Reentry Services and a member of the Boston-based organization Families for Justice as Healing. And Leslie, it's been great to speak with you as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's Leslie Creedle. She's also a member of Families for Justice as Healing. Joining me now is Bonnie Tenorello. She's a staff she, she's a staff attorney at Prisoners Legal Services. Bonnie, thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be here. So, Bonnie, there, there's a lot to unpack in what we just heard, uh, and so I want to let you take the lead in that. What what struck you most from that conversation? Anything that, that surprised you even? No, it's very consistent with a lot of what uh, what we hear every day. Uh, 
you know, there's an ongoing risk of COVID and, and there's, you know, tremendous danger that people have been in these past months. And there's tremendous hardship from this lockdown, uh, which even though it's, it's eased somewhat, continues to be uh, really tra- traumatizing and difficult for many prisoners. Do, do we know how many people? Do we know how many incarcerated people have been released because of COVID-19? That's very hard to say. We know how many have been released, um, but uh, we can't necessarily separate that out from normal end of sentence uh, uh, or parole. Um, We do know that there's a lot more they could be doing to release sentenced prisoners. They are the the uh, Department of Correction has the option to use home confinement for people. The Supreme Judicial Court has told them they have that option. They're not doing that. Um, they could be doing, you know, incarcerated people uh, get sentence reductions for participating in programs and education and jobs. Of course, that was, you know, those those things were stopped during the lockdown. Um, they ha- they're just starting to resume. They have, on a limited basis, made some some opportunities for these sentence reductions. It's called good time, but they have not been doing what they could to maximize good time sentence reductions. Um, the parole board has refused to take COVID into account uh, in its parole decisions. You know, and this is all against a background of a country where our sentences are so much longer than elsewhere in the world. We have so many older prisoners uh, who've been serving sentences for decades. They're different people. Uh, they, they pose no danger, and yet our sentence structure keeps them in prison. That's the baseline. You know, we've also had some uh, some seriously ill people who have been denied medical parole, people who are pretty incapacitated, and yet they have been denied medical parole. Some people have gotten medical parole during the COVID pandemic, but some who are really at risk from COVID have not. So I would say um, it, it's, it's difficult to say how many releases are attributed to COVID, but it's easy to say they're not doing what they could. And, and you mentioned other health factors in addition to COVID-19 being faced by, by, by some of these individuals. Both Leslie and Stacey talked about mental health in particular, both what's Absolutely. experienced in prison, what, what women go into prison facing. When it turn, comes to uh, uh, individuals who, who are coming out or going through this reentry process, what type of mental health resources are available to formerly incarcerated women and accessible? Well, it's very hard to say. You know, I I can speak to to what happens in prison, and I can tell you um, one of the horrible things about the lockdown is people uh, have been shut in their cells. People, let me just say, first of all, if you have serious mental illness, you are not supposed to be held in solitary confinement for more than a very short period of time. That's the law in Massachusetts now. Uh, and yet... These people were effectively held in solitary for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, And on top of that, their visits with their mental health clinicians were canceled. 
Um, I, you know, and as you said, you know, these women come with a baseline, women, men as well, women 70% uh, with, uh, on the mental health caseload, um, you know, and also large history of trauma, uh, substance use disorder. And, you know, similarly, the men, too, bear a lot of these burdens. Um, so this has been overall incredibly traumatizing experience for incarcerated people. Well, Bonnie, just as I said with Leslie and, and, and Stacy, we could talk about this for another hour. And, and I think, as I said to both of them, uh, we'll, we'll have to get you back as well to, uh, to talk some more detail about this. But thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, thank you. That's Bonnie Tenner-Yellow. She's a staff attorney at Prisoners Legal Services. We reached out to the Department of Corrections in response to this segment. A DOC spokesperson said, in part, throughout its response to the pandemic, DOC has focused on reducing to the greatest degree possible the potential impact of the virus on our inmate population while maintaining core services and programming. And the department will continue to follow DPH and CDC guidance as we move forward reopening safely based on public health trends and data. We also received a statement from John Larravee. He's the president and CEO of Community Resources for Justice, which operates the McGrath House that reads in part, CRJ remains dedicated to providing community-based residential reentry services to disrupt the cycle of incarceration and support positive outcomes for those we serve. We'll be posting both of those statements in full on our website in the post for the show. Thanks for listening to In It Together, the podcast from WGBH News in Boston. You can check out full episodes on 89.7 FM if you're in the Boston area, or you can stream online at WGBHnews.org. You can find past episodes there as well. Our show is produced by Amanda Beeland and Matt Baskin. Our technical director is Bill Piacitelli. All music is written and produced by Elio DeLuca. See you Monday, and remember, we're all in this together.